the second season of Mompreneurs, where we celebrate and learn from fabulous black women who are out here killing it as moms in chief, running both their households and their businesses. I'm your host, Nancy Red, and I come from a lovely lineage of black mompreneurs in Southern Virginia. I'm thrilled to present this intimate interview series that highlights inspiring and educational stories about how women are creating incredible opportunities and generational wealth for their families. But money isn't all this series is about. Balancing motherhood, mental health, and happiness is really important too. Erica Stovall has made bundles of money off of hair bundles. For over a decade, her brand Virgin Hair Depot has sourced quality, affordable extensions and hair products, all thanks to her hatred of the only full-time job she's ever held down. Erica, <laughs> I am so stoked to talk to you. You are living the dream. <laughs> I'm living my dream. <laughs> I'm done. I just want to be housewife. No. <laughs> well, if you have to have a job, yes. sourcing hair bundles. Yes would just be an amazing one. Yes, I'm living the dream, absolutely. Because how much do you love dealing with hair stuff? Um, I love it. It changes so much. Trends change. Um, the needs of the clients change. The age groups change. So I'm still enjoying it. Every day is new. Every day is different. Every day is exciting. Every day there's a different problem to solve. There's a different trend everyone is after there's a different texture people are interested in so it's still fun right because you've been wearing a weave since you were 18 years old yes and see you're, you're 41 i'm uh 42 when we're in this space here it's very interesting because when you first started sourcing bundles just for yourself there was no kinky curly no it was no. well, it was bone straight to death. Yes, that's it. No, no kinky curly, no Peruvian, no Malaysian. When I started wearing hair extensions, we had two options: straight or wavy. Like that was it, and that was the epitome of what you could buy. So now to see how far the industry has changed, it's interesting. And you were at the forefront of this because. What I think is really great when someone comes to this table and talks about their business is when it comes from a passion because then it doesn't feel that much like work because since you were wearing weaves, you were buying them and you were not happy with these prices. Absolutely. So when I started wearing weave, well, at 18, I was excited. I was getting my hair done. I was wearing a weave. Oh, I'm getting my hair done. But then I actually started needing to keep my hair done for professional reasons. And I was spending over $1,000 between purchasing the hair and getting my hair done. So once I actually figured out like an aha moment and started sourcing my own hair, I was in heaven. I was just playing in hair all day. Long, 40 inches today, a bob tomorrow. So I was excited just playing in my own hair. Because at first, you were paying how much for I, the hair that goes into your weave? So when I was purchasing hair... Before, before, yeah, but just, just as a regular yes, lady, just like the as a regular client, I would go to this place called Sunny's. It was one of the only hair stores in Atlanta at this time. It was the only place you could buy hair extensions. And for two bundles of hair... I would pay $400. And then I would pay my hairstylist about $600 to install it. Which is crazy when you think about, you know, back then. And this yes. was what year? This was 2000. Actually, I started wearing a weave in 2000. Yeah, 2000. Yeah. And then by 2008, and here's the thing. It didn't bother you that much because for quite some time, you weren't paying for it. Right. It didn't start bothering me until I was spending my money. <laughs> 
putting your money away. Yeah. Hold on. Then, then, then I'm like, wait a minute. It has to be something to this. Like, there has to be something to this. It's the only store in Atlanta that you can purchase hair from. So you have no other options. You have no other choices. Um, there, It's not any diversity in it. This is what you have to pay. If you want it, these are the prices. And that was fine. And you had someone paying for it. It was your boyfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we find that oftentimes... Things change. Things change. What happened to the boyfriend? They, he went away. And thank God. <laughs> Look at God. <laughs> I know. Because not only did he go away, but you got an amazing business idea. Yes. So Look you have to start God. paying for your own weave. You're not about to go natural at no. this point. That was not no. what was going down. No, I was not about Erica's to go life. natural. I'm never going natural, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing it, okay? But in all actuality, that's actually why I'm still here. Because our client is dedicated to their look. Most of our clients are not going out of the house without their hair done. They won't go to work without their hair done. They're not going to your birthday dinner without their hair done. And because of that loyalty, our business will always be here forever. So thank goodness for that. Okay, so 2010. Mm-hmm. Big year for you. You've yes. been wearing a weave for a while. Mm -hmm. Ten years of wearing weaves. Ten years Many of years of someone else paying for it. Here you are. You're at a crossroads in your life. You're 26 yes. years old. You have broken up with your boyfriend. Mm -hmm. You have decided it's time for you to grow up. Got to grow up. Got to make my own money. But still not really wanting to go to work. But knowing I have to. So I got a job. I found a job that I applied for, and I was not qualified for the position. I knew I wasn't qualified, but I found a resume online and copied and pasted and went to the interview and remembered all the things that I had wrote on the resume, and I got the job. <laughs> and it just so happened that the job was in what type of industry? So it was a Chinese manufacturing company. So I was learning all about Chinese manufacturing, but they made motors. So it was one of the largest, it actually was the largest motor company in China, a company called TechTop. And I loved the job, the people were good. They loved you, even yeah, though you didn't know what you were doing. Listen, I was cute prancing around that office. With your weave? With my hair flowing <laughs> professionally. I looked the part, for sure. And I would go in their meetings, and I would Google stuff. They would ask me things that I had no idea about. And I'd be like, you know what? Let me get back to you. Let me, let me think about that. Let me research that a little bit more before I, you know, give you a definitive answer. And I did that until the wheels fell off. But the wheels didn't fall off for four years. So here no. we are in the beginning. You're doing it. You don't really like it. But you also, this exact same year, you break up. Get this, you get this job so you mm -hmm. can pay for your hair. You also come up with a domain name. Yes, so I buy my, my domain name, Virgin Hair Depot, but I'm not doing anything with it because I'm also comfortable. Mm -hmm. I'm getting a check every two weeks. No matter if I'm doing the job right or not, that direct deposit is hitting. So I'm not doing anything with the domain. It's just sitting over here, but it's in the back of my mind. But because you're spending your own money on your hair, you are still finding ways yes. to save. So you're no longer going to that one store in Atlanta. What is the first step you do to start saving money on your personal weaves? So I'm not saving money quite then. I don't start saving money until they fire me from my job. So for four years, you continue the trajectory yes. of paying $1,000 mm -hmm. to get your weave redone. Yes. $400 for the hair, mm -hmm. $600 for the style. And then you just have your little website. Mm -hmm. 
that's not, not public. It's not public. It's just a domain. It's just a domain. Mm-hmm. And then when did you get fired? So I got fired in 2011. And um, it's interesting how I got fired because the day before, if, if you're from Atlanta, Atlanta has the worst traffic ever. <laughs> Traffic is just horrible here. And the company had moved an hour out from where we initially started. So I was driving an hour to work and an hour back. So on this day, I'm driving up 400. There's an accident and traffic is just stopped. It's not moving anywhere. And I was in traffic for like two hours. And I just started crying. I was like, I just hate it. I just don't want to do it anymore. I hate this job. I don't want to drive this far. And the very next day, they fired me. Again, I was like, look at God. I would <laughs> Many not... people would be sad. You never had a job of your own. This job was paying you a lot more money than you thought a job would ever pay yes. you. Yes. And you were crying the, the happy tears. But I was holding on only for the money. But I was super unhappy and I was holding on and I probably would have never let go because I was also comfortable. But I just was unhappy and I knew it wasn't for me. But that next day after I cried in that car, God answered those tears. He was like, you've been complaining. You don't want to go. You crying. Let me help you out. So they emailed me. They fired me by email. (laughs) Yes, they fired me by email and said I didn't have to come back. And I was just like, all right, well, look at God. So I remembered I had that domain. And in my mind, I said, before I go and get another job, I'm going to try to build this business because it has to be something to it. You gave yourself a month. I gave myself 30 days. And I mean, this is this is new to me. I didn't know much about marketing. So I had to do the things that were free because I had one more check coming in from this job. <laughs> so Um, I started posting on Craigslist and I would post every day and they would let you do so many postings with one email. So I had like three emails and I would post my max and I told them I had set a goal. I was like, every day if I hit this amount of sales, I won't look for a job. And it just started booming. My phone just started ringing off the hook and I was selling hair out of my living room, just bagging it up, selling it hair all over the living room floor and Um, One thing about it is I always kept it professional. The hours, I set that, you know, initially so people could respect my time. We were available from this time to this time. So people thought we were bigger than what we were. And I outgrew the living room, and then I opened up a kiosk in a mall. But really quickly, before you outgrew the living room, when you first started posting on Craigslist, when you got fired, how did you start finding the hair? So, <laughs> so this is really funny because it actually became a full circle moment later in life. Um, at the same time I started selling hair, there was another company that started selling hair too, but they were targeting an affordable market. I still wasn't trying to target an affordable market. I just wanted to be a little bit cheaper than what Sunny's was. So um, this company was super cheap. So I would actually drive to their store buy their hair, repackage it, and then sell it for the price that I wanted to sell it for. Okay, get out of town. <laughs> so it was the same hair. So there's a there's a hilarious, um, you know, a statement. There's just like at a grocery store, sometimes there's two piles of oranges. Mm-hmm. And one pile of oranges is 25 cents. Other pile of oranges is a dollar an orange. And somebody would get one from the 25 cent pile. Somebody would get one from the dollar pile. And only one person asked, what's the difference? And the answer from the cashier was, some people want to pay more. Some, some people wanted to pay more. So I was focused <laughs> on them. <laughs> and so what was the difference? You go to this store mm-hmm. and you buy their hair. And how much was the hair at that store? So they would sell their hair for like $50. Okay. But it was just in a little janky plastic. 
It wasn't even plastic. They would just dump it in a plastic bag. (laughs) (laughs) So you buy it for $50. Mm -hmm. And you bring it to your living room. And I would bring it to my living room, and I would package it all nice and have the labels on it. And they would pay me like one fifty. And this was the version. This was Virgin Hair Depot's first product. Yes. And they would pay you one fifty. So you're literally making double. I was killing it. This is amazing. I was killing just on it. Craigslist and living room yes. with some cheap bundles. That's it. <laughs> That's it. So at some point, you're still getting you. You start the kiosk. Mm-hmm. With the cheap hair. So when I start the kiosk. At a mall. Yeah, at the mall. And you were, this was, this was unusual. So nowadays, people listen to this like, of course she starts a kiosk. This was not how things were going no, at the time. No. You were making history with yes. your bundles. Yes, I was the very first kiosk in the U.S. There, there was no other kiosk. There was no other person selling hair at a kiosk. I was one of the very first people. Most people either were selling online or selling hand-to-hand, or you would go automatically to a store. Um, but we decided to do a kiosk because that's where the traffic was. Again, I didn't want to pay for a lot of marketing, so I needed people to be there. So at this point, online sales are not as big as they are today. People were still in the mall. This is where you went on the weekends. This is where you went to shop. So the malls would be flooded, and we would just be in there passing cards out and selling hair. And this is 2012. Yes, this is 2012. And so you would wake up. Go to the kiosk, Mm -hmm. and there would be... A line. And the uh, manager of the mall eventually was just like, Erica, you have to do something else. Like, this is not going to work because we had mall hours. We would open at 10, (laughs) but people would start lining up at, like, 9 o'clock because they wanted to get their stuff, and they wanted to be the first in line. So we would have a line almost every day. But so you're still just repackaging cheap bundles. No. So by the time we got to the kiosk, I wanted it even cheaper. So now I've researched like Alibaba. So now I found a Chinese supplier. And I know how to do business with them. still all from your living room. You're still just on email. There's no special sauce to this other than ingenuity. Yes, that's it. So, okay. And being like one of the first in the race. Because now at this point, there's only one, two, there's only three stores the company I was originally buying from, another company who was originally buying from that one company, and me. And are you the only black-owned one? All of us are black-owned. That's amazing. Yeah. All of us were black-owned. So it, it was a ladder up. Yes. <laughs> Climb up. Yes. Okay, so you found your Alibaba sourcer. Uh-huh. You've got the kiosk. You've outgrown the kiosk. Mm-hmm. So now what I was originally paying $50 for, I'm paying like $19 for. Wow. And you're still selling it for $150? Yeah. This is incredible. Yes. And you need three. So we would give you like a break. If you bought three, you could get it for 100 or 125 Which seems like an amazing deal on our end, but to you, it's still just gravy. Yeah, and I'm killing it. And I'm really irresponsible at this time because as I make my money, I'm spending my money. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need a moment. Yes. Hey, I had to get it together. What I'm were you excited. spending your money on? Everything I should, you know what? Actually, food. Like I would want to go to the nice restaurants and order all the stuff, and um, definitely shopping. Yeah, I was I was spending it as soon as I got it, and excited going out. I just this life was not what I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be hard. I thought I was going to struggle. I didn't know that the doors were going to open how they did. So. But I kept pushing. I would be at that store every day at 10 o'clock to, you know, make sure everything was right. 
I love it. But so yeah, at this point, I found I'm buying stuff for $19, still selling it for $100 plus. And it just started to flourish from there. So, so we did outgrow the kiosk. And so then what? After the kiosk gets outgrown. So after we outgrew the kiosk, I was like, you know what? Maybe it is time for me to do a store. So I found a location. And that's when we opened our first big store. And from there, it's just been wheels up ever since. And we definitely are, today, we are um, one of the top three hair companies in Atlanta, for sure, still. So in just a few short years, mm -hmm. you go from being jobless with a questionable boyfriend. Yes. You go from lying to have to get a job. Yes. You go from crying because you won't be in the job. Yes. And your dreams actually come true from you buying the domain, mm -hmm. not knowing what to do with it, mm -hmm. being forced to figure it out, mm -hmm. Selling bundles in your living room. On Craigslist. On Craigslist. Selling bundles in the kiosk in the mall mm -hmm. from 9 a.m. until whenever. Yes. To your own store. To my own store. So when you get to the store, does this, at this point, do you feel like you've arrived? No. No. I, I still was unaware of myself. Um, I don't think I felt like I arrived until we started getting knocks on our door for people wanting to purchase us. So that very same company that we originally started um, purchasing hair bundles from, like going to their store, buying their hair. One day, um, I just started getting a random number in my phone. And I was like, you know what, let me answer this because they keep calling me. So I answered the phone and it's a guy and he's like, hey, this is such and such from this company. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, are you... You just figuring out I was buying your hair when I started. Like, what's going on? But anyway, give me a drink. What I do? Um, he was like, you know, we know of you and we are interested in purchasing your company. Would you be interested in talking with us? And I was like, you know what? I will be interested. Let's, you know, let's see. And he was like, all right, I'm at your store now. He was there when I pulled up. And he was like, yeah, we've been following you. You know, we know what you got going on. And we entertained, it didn't work out, but we entertained it. And he's definitely someone that I hold in high regards now, like definitely a peer. Um, so just to have that full circle moment, when we were in the meeting discussing like what the parameters could be for him to purchase the company, he asked me, he was like, so how did you get started? And I was like, you know what? I actually would come to y'all store and buy y'all here and I would resell it. And the whole table just laughed. They were like, no way. I was like, yeah, that's how I started. And did they know who your supplier was at that time? No. So was that part of why they were interested in you? Is because you had an excellent supplier? Um, I think they were interested in me because the way we framed our store, no one knew it was a one-woman show. Everyone thought that the operation was bigger than what it was because we had our policies together, our procedures together. Like it's, it, it, Our show runs efficiently. So when they came to me, they were like, it's just you? And I was like, yeah. But they didn't, no one knew. From our presence on social media, um, just the way our whole thing was packaged, everyone thought it was bigger. Like they expected you know, it to be something more than just me. You did a great job. You were very good camouflage. I, hey, I'll accept it, but I feel like that's when I started to be like, I, I think I've done something good. I, how much did they offer you to purchase the store? A million dollars. And why did you say no? I thought I was ready to sell it. 
But when we started negotiating the things that they wanted, I really wasn't ready to give up everything that the package would have included. They were, would you have been able to ever start another hair store? That was another thing. They wanted me to sit out for five years, and that was too long, too. Like, I'm in the beauty industry. This is the only thing I've been making money in for all these years. That doesn't, that's too long. Um, so the parameters was five years, no non-complete clause. And, but they did offer me a million dollars. Did you ever look back and say, mm, I should have taken that deal? No. Why? Um, because I knew what my revenue was anyway. If I would have took the deal, it just would have been an easy way out. Um, so no, I never look back and say I should have took it. But I will say I did still gain something valuable because again, the owners of that company are people who I hold in high regard. Like what I've learned from them, me and, um, me and one of the owners had went to lunch one day and he was like, oh yeah, I just did 100,000 this hour. I'm like, wow, okay, let me go back to work. Like, let me get to work. It's very inspiring. Yeah, it's inspiring. Young black men, and, you know, it was men who owned that company, but it was, I was very inspired. I'm still inspired by them. So it was men that owned that company. Mm -hmm. Who owned the other company? The company that, I, that tried to buy me the second time? Well, no, so, there were, so, so it was two black men that owned that company. Mm -hmm. You said there are three companies, yours, this company, and another one locally. Yes, so the other company is owned by a husband and wife, and they're black as well. And I have much respect for them, too, because we all three started together, and we're all three here. It's amazing. Yeah. Because And that's just a great example of there's space for everyone. And there's space for everyone, and everyone holds a, a, a corner. What do you think sets you and Virgin Hair Depot apart? Um, I think our consistency... Uh, again, our policies and procedures, for sure. Um, our customer service is top-notch, and that's very important to me. Um, that's what we lead with is customer service. I have people who run into me all the time, and they're like, oh, I know you, and you know, I came to your store, and everyone was so nice, and you know, they helped me. Um, one thing about our store is we won't just sell you anything just to make a sale. If we feel like it's not a good product, you know, after you've explained what your needs are, you know, we'll refer you somewhere else. Hey, you know, we don't have that, but this place does. Right. And we do that all the time. And all those customers always say, well, you know what, when I want your product, I'm going to come back. So we don't have to have every dollar. Um, but absolutely, there's room. There's still room for new companies, too. But everyone has their corner of the market, and we actually don't get in the way of each other. It's incredible. And yeah. so one thing that also separates you, you are constantly looking for new products, new different things. And your business was successful. So after this, we're now, let's fast forward a little bit to 2017. Yes. And you decide you want to know a little bit more yes. about this hair you're selling. What happens? What makes you decide, mm, I need to dig a little deeper into this. You're very successful. Mm -hmm. You've already turned down a million dollar deal for your business. Mm -hmm. And here we are. Here we are. So in 2017, I've been selling this product for a while, and I don't know much about it besides just ordering it from the people who I've built a relationship from. It comes, and this is it. And this is on Alibaba still. Yeah, like this was a company that I had built a relationship with from Alibaba. And um, I plan to go visit them because I want to know, like, how is this product made? Um, is this product actually what it's supposed to be? Um, are the chemicals that they're using healthy, you know, for my client? Um, I just wanted to go below the surface with the product so that when people were asking me questions, I was 100% knowledgeable about 
what we were providing. So at this point, people are starting to get smart about the sourcing of mm-hmm. hair, about the chemicals, about yeah. the types of hair. We see more diversity mm-hmm. in the requests. So you're just like, I need to get down to the bottom I of it. I need this. to get to the bottom of it because at this point, the market is starting to get confusing. It's starting to get saturated. People are saying, oh, hair is a big ticket. You know, this is an easy sale. This Amazon is, starts selling Amazon hair. Amazon starts selling hair. So competition is coming up. Then you start having terms like um, 3A. 4A, 5A. I think we're at like 12A now. <laughs> um, so I'm like, what? what is all What do this? the A's mean? Nothing. <laughs> it, it means absolutely what nothing. They, what, what, what do people like me think they mean? So if I say I'm selling 9A, then you say you're selling 10A, so yours is better. Oh, my. But now you're selling 10A, so she's going to sell 11A. And that's how the numbers have changed. The product has not changed. Just the marketing for it. Amazing. Um, but I wanted to get to the bottom of this. So we go to China for three weeks. Me, you and your friend. Yeah, me and my friend who worked for me. And it was the best experience ever. So you email the Alibaba people. You're mm-hmm. like, yo, I'm coming. I'm coming They're to like, visit. They're like, cool. Mm-hmm. And for three weeks, every day, yes. they show you a different part of the business. A different part of the business. They show us where it's made. So we fly into Shanghai. Then we travel to Guangzhou. And where the hair was actually made was a 24-hour train ride outside of a big city. And they had never saw black people before. They don't see them on TV, and they had never saw them in real life. So when we get to this little village um, where a car is $300 USD, we get to this little village, and we're like superstars. People are trying to take pictures with us. Um, Our cab driver goes and picks his son up from school so that he can see the black people that have come to visit. (laughs) (laughs) Now, do you have in the weave? Yes. Okay, so Uh do do they understand what's happened? Do you get to explain what's going on? Like, you are part of my personal hair journey. You know what? I think they understood a little bit, but... They didn't care. They didn't care. It's just another product for them. Um, But it was interesting to see the economy. It was interesting to see the people, um, their day-to-day lives, how they worked, how they worked in the factories. It was was very eye-opening just to see the whole process from beginning to end, how they go to a market, just a regular market, how we have food markets, how you have those food markets in L.A. with the flowers and stuff. They have hair markets like this. So one bundle of hair may be $3.00. And then that's taken, and then it's taken and processed and wept, and then it's marked up from there, and then it's sold to another person, and then it's marked up from there. But it was completely eye-opening. Uh, most of the people in these factories make about $300 a month. That's their entire month. They live off that. This is how their economy works. So it was interesting just to see the labor, the background. Um, it's mostly women that work in the factories, and they're wefting, they're sorting, they're cleaning, they're dyeing. Um, But just to see how it comes from beginning to end and how it gets over here, it was was interesting, it was eye-opening. Would you say that these jobs, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being like the best job you can get in these areas, Mm -hmm. one being the worst, where would hair weaves Um, be manufactured? Probably a seven. Because this is all the community does, is manufacture hair, lashes, um, beauty products. 
So I would say a seven, very consistent because they're ordering it all over the world. At this time, the markets are growing in Africa, um, growing in Europe, so the markets are getting bigger. So these women are being able to provide for their families like never before. Um, at this time, too, a lot of Korean um, factories are there in China. So Koreans owned the factories and then the Chinese worked in the factories. That's why your beauty supply stores are mostly own, owned by Koreans. So they had the hair game on lock before people like me came in the market anyway. You would go to a beauty supply store to get your hair. Um, so I got to see, wow, this is where that hair comes from for the beauty supply store. So um, on a one to 10, definitely a seven because it keeps the economy going. It feeds the families, but it was eye-opening. Were these the processes for both synthetic and uh, natural human hair? Yes. So those are two totally different processes because I think people don't realize how bananas the synthetic hair, both, both processes are mm -hmm. bananas. Yes. But the synthetic hair process, were you just blown away when you saw it? I was made? blown away by it all. I was blown, I was blown away by the efficiency of it, the, how big the machines were, like the scale of how big the industries were. These factories would be the size of football fields. And they're multiple, like every block, there's a different factory this, this size of a football field doing something different. This factory may only do lashes. This factory may do only shampoo. This factory does hairbrushes. This factory does the glue for the hair. It was amazing. It definitely opened up your eyes to be like, wow, I can, I can do this kind of product. I don't have to only be here. Now what can we add to add value to the product we already offer? So it was life-changing. So when you saw how the synthetic hair was made, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. Did you see the sourcing of the natural hair? Did you meet the, the individuals who, whose hair is sourced? No. So we didn't actually get to see hair cutting, but we did get to go to the open markets where the hair is already just in bundles, like just big bags of hair. So a person would come and say, I'm going to buy this bag of hair. And then you take it and they clean it and then they'll wet it in this place. So that was very interesting, but we didn't see it actually cut. But there were places um, where girls would just go and cut their hair because this is how they make a living as well. So in the economies, you have medium income, you have low income, and most of the low-income people are the ones who go to these places to cut their hair, their ponytails, and they make money, and that's how they provide for their family. So it starts at the bottom and just trickles up. So when you're looking at this, how did the China trip impact your thoughts on the hair that you supply at Virgin Hair Depot? Um, it made me... It made me start thinking about a few things. When I saw how big the factories were, the revenues that they were bringing in, it made me start thinking about selling again. So that was one thought I was having. And then it also made me start thinking about how can I offer a green product? Um, one of the issues that we were having here in the US is that a lot of hair was coming with a smell um, from different places. 
So it made me start thinking about, okay, well, how can we eliminate that? How can we eliminate having to use these chemicals to preserve the hair until it gets to where it needs to go and start offering a product that maybe could be green? So it definitely got our idea wheels churning. So many ideas when we came back on how we could improve the product, how we could improve the customer experience and continue to set ourselves apart so that we could continue to be here because we we were recognizing that competition was coming. So we were always trying to think about what can we do to be a step ahead. So what is the smell? It's a chemical that they use to strip the cuticles of the hair. So collection is done two different ways. You can do it the correct way where you just snip the whole ponytail or you can do it the incorrect way, which is a quick way that some people do take and they just shave the head. It all falls on the floor and then they gather it and they drop it in a machine, but the cuticles are all different ways because it just was in a pile. So they drop it in a machine and that chemical strips the cuticles so that it doesn't tangle. It's like, it makes the strands all smooth. So that's what the smell is. And do you see that since then, has the quality of hair generally improved overall? Have the processes, are you still getting this stinky, cuticle-free hair? No. With competition, the, the hair has definitely improved. I don't even, I have not even heard about that problem as of lately, like within the last few years. The product has improved, but the prices have also increased. <laughs> so, you know. You can't get one without the other. So what are you, so and also not just that, again, when we first started this journey, you had bone straight mm -hmm. and wavy, basically two types. How yes. many types of, of natural human hair can a person possibly purchase right now? So you can purchase three types. You could purchase straight, wavy, and curly, and then that hair can be manipulated to have all these other different textures. And there probably is around 12 different textures. So you have kinky straight now, which is a processed hair. Um, you have kinky curly, you have jerry curly, you have water wave. Those are all unnatural textures that have been manipulated from the basic three. So you have so many options now and people like options. Um, interesting what? enough, that's one of the things that also set us apart at Virgin Hair Depot. We do three textures. We still do wavy, straight, or curly. You, oh, really? Yeah, we do. Um, to our wholesalers, we offer all the textures, but at Virgin Hair Depot, we do three textures because I found that when we offered so many options, people would be so confused they wouldn't buy anything. But if we kept it simple, these are our three products. It keeps our inventory costs down. We offer a straight, a wavy, a curly, that's it. Our sales went through the roof when we eliminated all the extra stuff. That's so interesting because yeah. so many people want to cater to the hodgepodge. And I, I found it the opposite. I wanted a niche. Um, I didn't want to cater to everyone. I wanted to cater to our customer base. And that's when I actually saw our sales pivot again and just skyrocketed. Because we, when we eliminated it, we first did it off of our website. We took all the extra textures off our website. And our sales just started to pop. Because people knew, okay, I want straight hair. Straight hair is not curly hair. Straight hair is not wavy hair. So... It eliminated the confusion. It eliminated the over the oversensitized um, options. Amazing. So what's interesting is you take this trip, this mm -hmm. leap of faith to China in 2017. You see how everything's made. Mm -hmm. 
you just think this is an information trip. Yes. You spend, how much did it cost for you and your, co- and, your, and your friend who works for you to go over there? It was fairly cheap. And this was my first time over there. We did it, you know, just off Google. We spent about $4,000 for both of us. And I just bought a ticket and off of Expedia <laughs> with the hotel included so that I wouldn't have to do too much research. Um, but I was fortunate that our host really were prepared for us and they made the trip amazing. So they had our itinerary done every day from what time we would get up, what time we would eat lunch, where we would go, the train rides, everything. So all I had to do was get over there and then it was just the world opened up to us. But I think they were that um, gracious to us because of the relationship we had built. We had been buying from them, so they trusted us and they wanted to do more business with us. So that $4,000 was well spent. Well, because it also, when you go over there and you actually create this human relationship, mm-hmm. it ended up making you hundreds of thousands of dollars more. Yes. Because after you went over there and you forged this relationship even deeper, what happens? So after I went over there, um, like I said, we were thinking about, are we going to sell? Are we going to do new products? What are we going to do? So now I'm getting to the point where I'm feeling like Instagram is a lot of work. It's another job. You have to market. You have to make videos. You have to do all of these things. And I never wanted to be the face of my brand. A lot of people don't even know that I own it. So I wanted a faceless brand. I always wanted it to be a corporate brand like Target. You don't know who owns Target. So now I'm starting to feel like, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm going to have to get out there. I'm going to have to be the face. I'm going to have to show myself more if I want to compete. And I was like, you know what, maybe I should just sell it. So I just sent a random email to my supplier because they were a $100 million company. Their revenue and sales were $100 million plus a year. So I'm like, okay, well, I know they can afford it. I'm going to send a random email just to see if they're interested. So one day I sent an email. This is like in November. And I was like, November 2017. "Mm -hmm." And this is after I got back from my trip. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, you know, would you be interested? Because I remember them mentioning that they wanted to do business over like they wanted to be stationed here. Um, So I was like, hey, would you be interested in purchasing our brand? And maybe a few days later, they responded back and they were like, yeah, we are. So the guy who owned the factory, we you know, did a contract. They accepted my terms. Did you come up with the terms or did they come up with the terms? We went back and forth, but for the most part, all of my terms were accepted. All of their stuff was like how long I would stay on to help them transition, um, what my day-to-day responsibilities would be, the times that I would be available to them, things like that. And this was for a much better deal than the initial million dollar Yes, this was for a much better deal. (laughs) So we, we came to an agreement. In December, they sent me a deposit, and our terms were they would send me a deposit, and every month they would send me, you know, an allotted amount of money to stay on. So um, I get my deposit in December, and I'm excited. I'm telling everyone, hey, I sold the company. I am about to be free. I'm about to be traveling, Um, and it's going well. I'm getting my monthly allotment, and six months after that, I get a random email And it's the owner of the factory. And he's like, hey, I really took a huge loss um, in Africa in a technology investment. And I want to pursue that. So I'm going to cancel my plans to open up the store in America. And you can have everything. You can just keep it. 
and, and you've already gotten hundreds of thousands yes. of dollars from them and the deposit and the monthly yeah. stipends. But also, not just that, you also have two people yeah. living in your home <laughs> from China. Because yes. this is where the, the, the hilarity is. You think you're selling this. You can't get rid of this property. Why don't you do? This business is, you are bundled for life. Yes. And <laughs> but you, you have what? two people in your home from China. Yes. So the um, owner of the factory has sent his two best workers over to America. They could have been in the Airbnb, but they, you let them stay with you. I did. I did because they really showed me such a good time when I was in China with them. I wanted them to feel safe. They'd never been here. The English wasn't the best. It was okay. And I just wanted them to feel as comfortable here as I did over there. And how long were they with you? Six months. Six months. Yes. And we're still <laughs> friends. Like we are, we are still friends. One of them just had a baby and got married and we keep in touch, but I, I digress. Um, so I get this email and I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, like you had plans. You were just going to be peaceful. I was free. You know, I was, you know, I had all this stuff in my mind and I was like, well, maybe, you know, God is just telling me it's not my time yet. It's not my time to shut the doors. It's, you know, I've been trying to get rid of it. All this, all these, you know, different moments, but he just was like, nope, not yet, not yet, not yet. So the guy tells me, that um, I can have it. I can have it back. I, he was like, I don't want anything. You can keep the money. You can keep all the inventory. And they had sent two workers over here. They had sent me a deposit. They were paying me a monthly fee. And they had sent about 300K in inventory. And he, was, he just walked away. You're just like, this is a gift. I said, okay. I said, I accept it. I receive it. I thank God. And I just kept moving. And then you decided, since you, since you couldn't get rid of the business no matter what you tried, mm -hmm. you decided to scale up. Yes, I decided to scale up. Because now I'm excited. I'm like, okay, God is telling me it's not time to shut the doors. I still need to be in it. And I'm thinking, oh, I want 40 stores. I want 20, you know, I want more stores. I want more, I want more, I want more. So we ended up opening a franchise. We sold our first franchise to a couple based in Dallas. And we opened VHD, um, Virgin Hair Depot, and DFW. And it was good. It was really good. And I was traveling there every other week. I would go every other week to check on them. We opened the store. Sales were going good. Um, the partnership was going good. And then one day I was on my way to Dallas and I just had an epiphany. I was just like, I'm on my way to Dallas, but I really don't want to be. So now I'm doing things again that I don't want to do. Like, I'm not free. It's, it's not the freedom I expected. Like, I'm going to work. And I, I had, like, in that moment, I was like, I don't want 40 stores. Like, it's taking me away from my family. I'm missing events. It's taking me away from my husband. I want to have a baby. I, you know, I want to do those things. And I'm doing less of those things, and now I'm doing more work. And we're making more money, but I'm spending more now. Like, I have more expenses because we have these extra locations. We're doing all these things. And I was, I was just thinking to myself, like, I really commend people who can go from $1 million to $5 million, or $5 million to $10 million, or $10 million to, you know, $20 million, because it takes a certain level of intensity that I just wasn't willing to give up. I was like, you know what? I'm okay with You wanted to be a family woman. I wanted to be a family woman. I wanted to have quality of life and I accepted what I I defined what enough was for me. Like what is enough for me to be happy, to do the things I want to do, 
you know, travel the way I want to travel, buy what I want to buy. Like, what is my enough? And I, I figured out it, it wasn't 10 million a year. Like, I don't need that. I don't personally need that. Maybe someone else does and more power to you, but it, it wasn't what I needed for what I wanted to do. So um, now we're heading into 2020, COVID comes, and our Dallas franchise doesn't come back after COVID. And I'm like, this is kind of how I wanted it to play out. I want to, I want to scale back. I want to do things that are less intensive. I, I decided I didn't want to build any more brands because I don't want to be a face of a brand. And quiet as it kept, I didn't want to get my hair done all the time. Like I didn't want to show up for that. The, the type of work that it takes to be the face um, and the type of work I was feeling like Instagram was becoming. I was like, oh, it's time for me to pivot. I want to focus on something else so I can spend more time with now my husband who, you know, hasn't seen me because I'm working, I'm up all night. I have to talk to Chinese manufacturers at night when I get home because we're on opposite time zone. So I'm working 24 seven now. I didn't have the freedom. And yet again, when you make this decision, magical things happen. Yes. Because for a long time you were told you could not get pregnant. Yes. And then when you said, you know what? I don't want this business to be my baby. Mm -hmm. You end up with the baby. I ended up with the baby. So it's 2021. Uh, we're at the height of COVID. And I think I have COVID because at this point, I'm 40 years old. I've been told I can't have children. Um, we had tried in vitro and we were just about to start, but then COVID hit. So I was like, I don't want to be going through in vitro during COVID. So we never started any treatments or anything. We just got diagnosed. You will not be able to have a baby unless you get assistance. And I had never been pregnant, so I was just like, oh, okay, all right. That's, those are the cars we've been dealt. So 2021 in May, I'm out of town. I'm in New Orleans, and I just cannot have a good time. I, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm nauseous. I just, it, it, I just did not feel like myself. So I get back and me and my husband go shopping. He's like, come on, let's go shopping. It's like 10 a.m. I didn't make it 30 minutes. I was like, I'm exhausted. I have to go home. And that day I said, something is wrong with me because I don't even have the energy to spend your money. So <laughs> something's wrong. So the next day I make an appointment. I go to the doctor and I'm like, I think I have the bad COVID because I'm not getting better. Not just COVID, the bad COVID. I have the bad COVID because <laughs> I'm not getting better. And it's been like this for a few weeks. And she runs tests and do, does all these things. And then she comes back and she was, and this is how she does. She's like, no, it's just your baby. And I was like, whose baby? Cause I'm here for COVID. <laughs> and she was like, your baby. She thought I knew I was pregnant. And I was like, ma'am, I, I came to get, like we tested for COVID. She was like, well, you're pregnant. I couldn't believe it. I just sat in the car for like two hours in silence. And all I could think was, I have to call my husband, and he's going to think that I want to start some trouble today. And I called him, and he was like, no way. And I was pregnant with our daughter. Chosen. Yes. And what a wonderful thing to go from bundles of hair mm -hmm. to a baby bundle. Yes. So it's fun how your mompreneur journey has come full circle. You're here now. And when you have people listening to this and listening to the story and being so intrigued by the whole process, mm -hmm. do you feel that was a window of time or do you feel that getting into hair at this point in time is still a lucrative idea for, for newcomers? I think that if, you, if someone is trying to get into hair today 
it's going to take a lot of money because you have to do a lot to stand out. I think I was fortunate enough that when we came in, we were able to create solid ground. That's why the same two people I started with are still here today. Everyone was able to create solid ground. We were able to build our clientele. We were able to get a footing. But starting today would be very difficult because there's so many options. Um, people want convenience. So you can't just start how I started, where... You may not have it. You can run and get it, and then they'll wait. No one wants to wait. You have Amazon that will overnight deliver. It'll be there by 4 a.m. You have um, so many options. Hairstylists are selling here. When I started, hairstylists wasn't selling here. That wasn't the thing to do. So the competition, the options are so much, you would definitely need a lot of money to make money. So what you... What you did is you found a hole mm -hmm. in the market. Any advice for any mompreneurs in trying to figure out that hole and how they can fill it? I think that if you're interested in doing something and you found a hole in somewhere that you want to climb into, I think you have to just pay attention to yourself. You have to really be focused. You have to have tunnel vision. You can't compare yourself to anyone else. You can't look at what everyone else is doing. You really have to decide, this is what I want to do to be different. This is what I'm going to focus on. And this is what I'm going to give my energy to. And I think that will breed success. I love it. Well, you are a wonderful example of what anyone can do with a little bit of chutzpah <laughs> <laughs> and, and a dream and a living room yes. and, and a knowledge of the market. Because you knew when you were getting the hair if it was bad or not. Mm -hmm. Even, you know, you knew what your clientele would and would not accept because you used this Absolutely. product. Absolutely. So. You have to be resourceful. And I think that was, that was a part of what set me apart. I was resourceful. I was willing to do the work. I was willing to do the research. I was willing to figure it out and find out. I, I built our first website. The website we still have is the one I built. Oh, wow. So I wasn't waiting on someone to do things for me. I wasn't waiting for someone to pave the way, open the door. I, I feel like I kicked it in. Well, you kicked it in, you're kicking butt. So thank you so much for talking with us, Erica. Yes. I love it. It's thank so interesting. Thank you for having me. Oh, so wonderful. Yes, thank you for having me. For more information and to buy your own bundles, visit Virgin Hair Depot on Instagram and virginhairdepot.com. Thank you so much for being here with us on another episode of Mompreneurs. Watch on madamnoir.com and listen and follow Mompreneurs wherever you get your podcasts and at urbanonepodcast.com.